Welcome to Data Bytes. I'm Susan Wong. And I'm Jessie Chizeski Kay. Susan and I are two statisticians in academia, and we want to bring statistics closer to you. We will touch on topics in big data, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the list may grow. First, we'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. We hope that you had a wonderful holiday break with family and friends over the past week and wish you an adventurous, successful 2019. Today's episode features two stories. The first one is about an instructive game about probability, and the second features a new product that will allow you to program your own self-driving car. Spoiler alert, it's miniature size. You can't drive it on your daily commute just yet. All right, let's get started. Susan, question for you. How do you think people generally are with intuitions about probability? It depends. I I think simple probabilities like the outcome of a single coin flip or the toss of a die, these are well understood. So what if instead we have this scenario? What if a 10-sided die is rolled, then a 20-sided die is rolled, and then finally a 30-sided die is rolled? The probability the results are increasing order. Okay, so just to clarify, when you say that, you mean that the 10-sided die is numbered 1 through 10, the 20-sided die is numbered 1 through 20, and so on. Is that right? Exactly, yes. Well, definitely this is a bit trickier. I don't know that anybody can jump out with the probability at the top of their head. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Well, I ask that because there's a new game that's called Burrell that I read about in the December 2018 issue of Significance magazine. And um, they talk about this new game. Um, It's described as a game of chance, intuition, dice, and other peculiarities. Uh, It's a game that's for two to seven players, and the suggested age is for 14 and up. Um, So the, the setup is that everyone starts with a certain amount of imaginary money, um, maybe a few thousand dollars, and that's um, that's then used to place bets. And basically, you lose if you run out of money. So if you place a bunch of you know bad bets, um, so the game is such that there are 180 experiment cards, is what they call them, and these experiment cards are what the players ultimately bet on. And um, these experiments includes kind of scenarios with um, with dice rolling, coin tosses, and um, they also have, I guess, bags of different colored balls. And then, uh, so during the game, uh, an experiment card is drawn, and on each of these cards then is a question of whether some probabilistic um, outcome will happen. The players then bet on the outcome with a yes or no wager. And then they actually carry out the experiment. And so, um, so one of the experiments might have a question like what I just presented. If a 10-sided die is rolled, then a 20-sided die is rolled, and finally a 30-sided die is rolled, will the result be in increasing order? And so some of the players might bet yes and others no. And then these, um, these three dice are rolled. And, um, and so let's suppose um, we get, like, with the first um, 10-sided die, you get a 5, and then the 20-sided, you get a 9, and then the 30-sided, you get a 15, then um, that would suggest that the tosses are in increasing order. And so those who bet yes would double their wager, and those who bet no would then lose their wager. That's really interesting. Is there a timer in this game? Because if not, I'm guessing that someone who's taken a course in probability can just swipe out with a calculator or a cell phone, crunch some numbers. Yes, uh, 
it's a good point. There, um, there in fact is a timer, so there's some sort of limit, and uh, and so I, I guess I, I think the limit was maybe a, a few minutes, okay. and so you still would have to be pretty quick at, at working out those probabilities if you wanted to um, to take that route. That sounds like a really good game for an intro probability course. If I had a small class of thirty or so students, I can imagine allocating a class period, maybe at the end of a unit on basic probability, just to play this game. Although I would say it's a bit tricky, like to think about having the winnings count for something, just because whether someone wins or loses is probably a function of two things. First, their knowledge or intuition of probability, and secondly, a function of their uh, risk averseness. Yeah, exactly. And and I suppose uh, how lucky they are that particular day. That's important. <laughs> but um, yeah, nonetheless, the, the game does seem like a, a fun way to explore ideas of probability and um, and just start to kind of build some intuition, as they say. Um, it turns out one of the people that was involved in developing the game is um, is Dr. Christophorus Agnestopoulos, um, who has a PhD in statistics and um, and an honorary appointment in the statistics department at Imperial College London. And then, of course, there's Emile Borel, who was um, an early 20th century French mathematician, and he made fundamental contribu contributions to, um, to probability theory. So that's who the, the game is actually named after. Ah, and one thing that also sort of comes to mind is that the game involves some strategy, even if the outcomes are random. Like, it's, it's complicated, right? That even if you know the probability of the answer being yes is something like 54%, the sheer randomness of the outcomes means there's still a substantial chance you'll lose your bet. Yes, yeah, um, that is definitely true. And, and actually in the Significance Magazine article, it's, uh, it's noted that, um, that events with over 50% probability are clearly still not guaranteed to happen. Um, but the, um, what they do note too, as far as strategy, is that the competitors might be more likely to place high bets on those outcomes. So sometimes it could be worthwhile for you as a player to bet against the odds. Um, there are some other twists to the games as well. And um, the game actually has a website that you can visit. It's, um, it's um, www.playburrell, that's P-L-A-Y-B-O-R-E-L.com. And they also have a little video. It's about four minutes long that explains the game. So yeah, it, it seems like a lot of fun. Very cool. Thanks for sharing, Jesse. Yeah, of course. Jesse, did you know that Amazon is now also in the business of self-driving cars? What? That's, uh, that's actually kind of hard to believe uh, that a company, or I should say it is hard to believe that a company uh, like Amazon, which actually just started out as an online book re retailer, has now become so much more. Like it's just, it's one of the biggest retailers, period. They sell groceries which is very useful, uh, cloud services, and now you say they're getting into self-driving cars. Well, that's what it seems like. I should clarify that they're not about to produce self-driving cars that drive us around town, at least not yet. Rather, they figured out a way to crowdsource self-driving car research. I came across this piece of news a couple of weeks ago about the AWS Deep Racer, and uh, this is a small car built at 1 18th the scale of an actual car, so kind of like a toy. And it's retailing for $250 at introductory pricing. 
Wow, that's an expensive toy car. And, and actually, okay, so one eighteenth of the scale. I, I can't even picture it. Is that like, would that be a big toy car? Or is that like an average size toy car? Yeah, so I actually looked at some pictures online and really it's not it's not like the the tiny ones that you could just sort of push around with one hand. It would be something that you could hold with both hands, kind of like you're holding a picnic basket or something. So so it is quite a bit larger than your typical toy car, but but certainly not anything close to being able to fit even even your pet cat or dog. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, great. Thank you. That that's a helpful image. So before we all regret not having bought this for our favorite niece or nephew this past Christmas, uh, this product isn't actually broadly available yet. The release date is March 6th this year, 2019. So we can mark our calendars for sure. And the first sentence in the description of this item on Amazon's website reads, AWS Deep Racer is the fastest way for developers to get rolling with machine learning. Literally. <laughs> so, so okay, so they're not really marketing this as a toy as we've misled you to think. Um, it's really not your typical remote control toy car. It's meant to be a programmable toy car that you can teach to drive itself. And when you read the specs of this car, it's kind of like a mini computer. It's got a dual core Intel processor, four gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of hard disk storage, Wi-Fi capabilities, fancy batteries. Wow. And is it able then to detect or shall we say process its surroundings in some way? Indeed, that's sort of the only thing that, that, that can make this possibly work. So it has a built-in 4-megapixel camera so that it could see where it's going, and it also has an integrated accelerometer and gyroscope. So I'm guessing those are useful for the car to navigate unusual terrain that's maybe on a hill that's not flat. Wow, this actually sounds really cool. And uh, do you know how the training process works? So I've read a couple of things online. Um, I haven't seen um, the, the environment for myself, but basically Amazon provides its own cloud-based virtual world that comes with a track and replica, both of which are virtual, um, the replica of the actual car that is. So you basically train the physical car self-driving algorithm in this virtual world um, by having it drive around this virtual track over and over again and probably tweaking some of the, the knobs of, of how it's actually meant to drive and navigate the virtual track. So uh, there's these two models that you would be fine-tuning. One is a model of the track as perceived by the car's camera. So you could actually see videos of this where um, there's sort of a screen that shows what the car sees and Although the track looks pretty straightforward, it's kind of like this big donut um, with some curves, the car doesn't necessarily see that donut. It sort of um, sometimes sees the road and then it's sort of sometimes in the middle of the road, it thinks there's some off-road area. So you really have to train the car to see um, the track and, and where it's meant to drive. So that's one component. And the second component is really about how the car should respond to the visual stimuli. So once it knows where the track is, how should it turn, when should it start to turn, um, and, and the goal might be to maximize stability um, or, to, or speed or to minimize its time spent off-road and so on. So all of this is done using Amazon's very own reinforcement learning environment called SageMaker RL. And um, reinforcement learning, 
sounds like a term that we should probably elaborate on for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've taken a class in machine learning before, you'd know that there have historically been two paradigms in machine learning, supervised and unsupervised learning. In a nutshell, supervised learning is where you have some correct answers to something you're trying to predict. And you're going to be building all these models that sort of optimize accuracy, that aim to do the best job at predicting those answers. Unsupervised learning, in contrast, is where you have no correct answers. There's sort of unlabeled data. And what you're trying to do is just extract some underlying patterns that summarize uh, the data. So, so that's what we do in uh, clustering. So hierarchical clustering or k-means clustering. Uh, these are all different examples of unsupervised learning. Now, reinforcement learning is a new paradigm that's not either of those two. <laughs> Uh, in, in reinforcement learning, there is no actual right answer. So thinking about self-driving cars, there's no right way to drive a car. Um, there's sort of no, no perfect way of driving a car that we're trying to mimic. However, you can conceive of something that is um, what we would call a reward function. So something that measures how well a car is driving the track. So I alluded to this earlier. Maybe you want to maximize the stability of a car so that it doesn't... Um, change its acceleration a whole lot, right? You want it to sort of go as straight as possible unless it absolutely needs to turn. Um, or maybe you want it to go really, really fast. So these are all things you can build into the reward function. And the way that this works is that in a reinforcement learning model, you're basically going to be tweaking things iteratively as the car goes around and around the track. And it's going to try to tweak things in such a way to maximize the reward function. Uh, and, um, and reinforcement learning is really the driver of success of the, um, of Google's go playing Google's Go playing engine, AlphaGo. Um, you might recall hearing about AlphaGo beating the, um, the, the top ranked human player at Go a few years back. And um, the way that it was, um, it was able to accomplish this um, and to just good, get good at playing Go was by playing with itself millions and millions of times to refine, um, to refine its play using this reinforcement learning. Uh, that said, it doesn't sound like all of this is um, is simple enough for a non-programmer to get um, to get into playing with the vehicle. Um, this probably wouldn't be a suitable gift then, say, for a 12-year-old who has no coding experience. Yeah, really sorry for misleading you guys. <laughs> this is like a a toy you might buy for someone. Um, definitely. The way that Amazon is selling this product is to pitch it as a gateway to learning about re reinforcement learning, which is kind of interesting, right? Rather than saying, hey, buy this product to help advance autonomous driving technology or buy this thing as a toy that you can have for fun, they're saying buy this product to teach yourself a really hot skill on the job market. And they're saying this is a great way for developers who aren't at all versed in machine learning to become well-versed uh, in reinforcement learning. Yeah, and I guess when you think about how much taking a college class in machine, machine learning um, could potentially cost, I suppose the $250 um, is actually a pretty good deal. 
Definitely. And and they're also taking advantage of the human nature of competitiveness, how everybody's just really competitive. So at their AWS reInvent convention in late November of 2018, they unveiled this product and already opened up the virtual training environment to a number of individuals. So these individuals had some time to train their cars and then compete against each other for the fastest speed around this one particular track. There's a leaderboard for this online that's already publicly available, and Amazon is promising that in 2019, they're going to be about 20 different tournaments for Deep Racer, and possibly that means a lot more varied kinds of tracks as well to see how people's algorithms will fare. Yeah, um, this kind of reminds me of the Netflix competition. Yeah, that's actually what I thought of when I saw this too. Jesse, do you want to say a little bit about what the Netflix competition was? Yeah, sure. Um, so the Netflix competition began in 2006, and, um, and Netflix's goal was to improve the prediction accuracy of how much a Netflix user will enjoy a particular movie. And um, the competition was going to continue until some team improved the prediction accuracy by 10%. And it, it turned out that in July of 2009, a team um, did hit this mark. And it was actually about uh, 20 minutes before another team that had the same improvement. So the second team just missed this, um, missed winning the competition by 20 minutes. And it's, oh, man. yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of hard too, because the winning group received $1 million. That's peanuts to pay for improving a company's sort of uh, core algorithm that it uses to, to make profit. That's true, but still a nice reward. <laughs> Definitely. And I guess Amazon has learned from Netflix that the cheapest way to push the wheels of technological, technological advancement is to uh, just put out a competition, open it up to everybody, right? That's kind of what Netflix gained, and Amazon might be doing the same thing. And more than that, they're making money from providing, providing cloud uh, AWS services for those who want to build and fine-tune their algorithms. I'd be curious to see to what extent um, the lessons learned from training this miniature self-driving car can um, could actually potentially carry out to um, to real-world self-driving cars. I think that's got to be Amazon's end game here to get us the crowd to help them build algorithms, or at least provide snippets of driving strategies that'll extend to real-world self-driving cars. Thanks for listening to Data Bytes. If you have any suggestions or comments for us, please visit our website at databytespodcast.github.io. Till next time.